So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. All right, good Wednesday, and welcome to the Hump Day Barbecue Show. The show that talks about all things important to the world of barbecue and grilling, originating from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio, the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Wednesday if you want to get in touch with the show. Two ways to do it. It's a toll-free call, 877 877- Four four eight zero four three three. You can also email the show if you want to. Greg at the BBQ Central Anything else you want to find out about the show can be done at the main website, the BBQ Central And here's what's happening tonight, coming up in just a few minutes from now. Joining me in the weekly segment, Ray Lampy, Ask Dr. Barbecue. Yeah, I got it. And then after Ray friend of the show. You see him on the Tuesday show quite a bit. First appearance on the Hump Day Barbecue Show. Sam Zion, a.k.a. Sam, the cooking guy, joins me. Going to be a lot of turkey talk and so forth, moreover and what have you. So there you go. 877-448-0433. Greg at the BBQ Central Show.com. Two ways to get in touch with me. Should you see fit? Especially if you get, especially tonight. I mean, yesterday we hit it a little bit, but the Tuesday show structured a little bit more different than the Wednesday show is. There's a little bit more uh, amoeba-like on the Wednesday show. So if you do have uh, specific Thanksgiving questions that you would like uh, Ray to give a, an answer to, or Sam for that instance, uh, please feel free to give me a shout, and uh, we'll get you in there and get you going. All right, so if you're watching the show right now, do me a favor and blast off an email or make a tweet. Get on the social media, whatever you prefer, and let them know a couple different websites. If you know that your friend or neighbor might like this show on the audio side because they have smartphones or tablets and don't really care too much about video, that's fine. Send them over to my website, thebbqcentralshow.com. Have them click over on the uh, Windows Media Player or the QuickTimer or Real Player, whatever it is. Uh, they can also get it through iTunes Radio. Great stuff. Download the TuneIn Radio app, and you can stream this show live every Tuesday from 9 to 11, every Wednesday from 9 till 10, and then all hours after the fact with uh, repetitions, or I'm sorry, with repeats of all of the live shows that have happened this calendar year in 2013. If they like the video stuff, send them over to OutdoorCookingChannel.com and have them click on Watch Now, and then you can see me as we do it right here in the in the TV screen. Or maybe they have uh, Roku, Internet Protocol Television. Tell them to go to the Roku store and then download the Outdoor Cooking Channel app. And the very first option is uh, Watch Now, I believe is what it's called. And that will get you into the scheduled slash live stream of what is happening at the Outdoor Cooking Channel. So number of ways to consume the show and more than happy to have you do it however it's most convenient for you. And as we know by now, most of the people watch this show or listen to the show through podcast by the tens of thousands more. But that's fine. Even if one person showed up or no, no person showed up, 
I would still be more than happy to do this show live on the Tuesday and on the Wednesday. At least for now. Definitely the Tuesday. Wednesday, maybe be getting a little lift. Tell your friends. Keep it up. Uh, don't forget, if you want to subscribe to the show through iTunes for replays, uh, you can also go to YouTube for video replays, Outdoor Cooking Channel for video replays. Of course, my main website, the Barbecue Central Show, uh, or the BBQCentralShow.com uh, for any and all audio and video websites. Uh, no reason you should ever miss anything on this show, ever. There's not even one single good excuse that you could use. Now, if you missed the show last night, encouragement to go get it. Consume it when you can during the course of the rest of this week. Uh, first guest was Stephen Reichlin. We talked a lot about, uh, A, Thanksgiving, you know, in a general sense, history of Thanksgiving, how turkey got its name. The bird isn't named, like, turkey. That's not its regular name. It was named after turkey because back in those days, turkey was, like, the place to be. Turkey was the cleaver. The mecca. Trade, spices, you know, it was it had the cachet to it. Cachet, I believe, was a term that Stephen used last night. And so they called it turkey and then, you know, became wildly in vogue to eat the turkey. And a number of other different uh, countries and languages also called it turkey or adopted it or whatever they were. Uh, so lots of great stuff from Stephen shared on there. And then we uh, also talked with Robin Lindars, the grill girl, for a little while. She was letting us in on some of the things you might want to consider for the upcoming holiday season gift-wise for the griller or barbecuer in your life. And we also talked about her expedition into spatchcocking a turkey for the very first time this year. And then, of course, we uh, the last interview guest of the show last night, Ed Hamlin from Grill Innovations. And, of course, he's made the grill plate, which has been very popular, and now the new not-yet-to-market zone griddle. And through videos and through his dialogue last night, one side could get up to like 500 degrees. You could have a middle temperature, and then all the way to the left could be all the way down to 150, 160 degrees. So you can do a multitude of different cooking things right there on your grill. I mean, that's what Grill Innovations is all about, taking the indoors out and putting it on that grill. So uh, if you missed it, go circle back to the website or iTunes or YouTube or Outdoor Cooking Channel and make sure you catch that show. Lots of great stuff going on there. All right, what can I say? We are off, we are rocking, and most importantly, we are uh, rolling, no doubt about it. Uh, quickly, before we get to Ray, uh, high-quality meats, right? Looking for high-quality meats, looking for a supplier, want to feel confident with your choice, buying off the Internet, I get it. That's why I partnered with the world's largest distributor of high-quality meats and brought to you the Barbecue Central Meat Shop. That's right. Now, this isn't only for the competitor. Sure, the names and cuts you will find here are the same ones bantered about at the competition realm. But I know a lot of Centralites are just like me, backyard guys that want to produce top-quality cooks but really don't have the desire to get out of the competition scene. However, we all know that in order to achieve these goals, you have to have access to the Wagyu, to the Compart Duroc, to the Kobe. You get the idea. Now... You have a main line into this portion of the industry. Competition cooks looking for an alternative, maybe. How about this? The company I teamed up with is already supplying meat to some of the top teams out there on the circuit right now. All circuits, to be exact. And you can visit the Barbecue Central Show website and then click on BBQ Central Meat Shop. At the top right of the page. Go from there. Buy with confidence. This is some horn swoggle outfit. Here now, disappear overnight. 
I had conversations with the owners, done my due diligence, feel confident enough to put the show brand on the hook for it. Now, maybe you've been looking for the Kobe beef. Let me hip you to something. A lot of stuff is BS out there, not really Kobe. But now you can get the real deal. Right through here, the Barbecue Central Meat Shop plus the Wagyu. Uh, two grades of American Wagyu, which means the uh, Japanese cow from a Japanese perspective. And in the USA, they're a crossbreed of Angus cattle. Grades 4 through 5, grades 6 through 7. Now, as I mentioned before, also 100% full-blooded Japanese Tajima Wagyu from the Kobe region of Japan, otherwise known as Kobe beef. The best of Kobe beef is from the area called Tajima. We have certified from Japanese authorities Tajima steaks, rib steaks, strip steaks, tenderloin, Tajima roast, and Tajima ground beef. The grade is 10 to 12. Let me put that in perspective for you. One out of every 3,000 cows in Japan are graded 10 through 12. Also called A5. Very rare to get this meat, even in Japan. But you can get it right through the Barbecue Central Meat Shop. We have certification credentials to prove it if you don't believe it. So hit the barbecuecentralshow.com right now, then go to the Barbecue Central Meat Shop and have a looky. You won't be sorry, and you'll have access to the best meats around. BBQ, the BBQcentralshow.com, and then the Barbecue Central Meat Shop at the top right page. It's Ray Lampy for the Ask Dr. Barbecue segment right after this. Stick around, we'll be right back. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, we're back. That's Dr. Barbecue locked and loaded. 877-448-0433. Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com if you want to jump in on the show tonight. Uh, don't forget, coming up after Ray Lampy, Sam Zion, a.k.a. Sam the Cooking Guy, will help me close out the show tonight. So lots of great stuff to look forward to. All right, let's go ahead and uh, get into this stuff. If you got questions about barbecue or grilling, maybe as a hobby or even a business, looking to get an expert's point of view, why not ask Dr. Barbecue? You can submit your questions by clicking on the Ask Dr. Barbecue tab on the website. The doctor is in. Here's Ray Lampy with his nurse, Greg Rempe. Dr. Barbecue. That's right. The segment everybody waits for each and every week. It's the Ask Dr. Barbecue segment with uh, Ray Lampy. Ray, how are you, buddy? Ray, you there? Hello. I'm good, Greg. How about you? Hey, good, good, Ray. How are you? Um, so, okay, I mean, you are, like, constantly on the road. It shouldn't be Dr. Barbecue. It should be <laughs> Dr. Traveler, who also is pretty good at the barbecue thing. Uh, where are you at now? I'm in Oklahoma City. Uh, yeah, Ooh. this has been a crazy fall, no doubt. Oklahoma City, we're in Tulsa today. And I'm here till Friday. Wow. Uh, and this is all the, the kickoff before cookoff type deal? It is, yeah. Cookoff before kickoff. But, you know, 
we were talking about it today and they're 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 bugging me to pimp the contest so i got a feeling that means there's not as many entries as they would like so that's good for people that are trying to enter so let's make sure we plug that all right so why don't you go why don't we just lead with that before we get into thanksgiving stuff because obviously that's going to dominate a lot of the uh, time that we have tonight so if people are interested in this particular competition and the prize is substantial and succulent and great and every other descriptor that you want to put on it how can people get their hat in the ring yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Somebody's going to win a trip to Pasadena for the BCS championship game and tickets. So all of them Alabama fans might want to be getting in on that. Uh, Cookoffbeforekickoff.com, and you have to enter a recipe. And me and Beth Peterson, who I'm traveling with, are going to judge it. Enter a good recipe, and somebody's going to win a trip to Pasadena to hang out with us. Does it... <laughs> This is, it sounds like a loaded question, and I don't mean it to be a loaded question. Is Are they looking for a particular recipe? Could it be dessert? Could I mean, could it be like the World Food Championship type of deal for this contest? Uh, well, it needs to be a tailgating recipe. I, I haven't really looked at the rules yet. I will be judging it. But so I can tell you, for me, I'm open to anything. Yeah, I mean, if it's tailgating, you know, I, probably not a spaghetti and meatball recipe, something you could hold or... Or possibly, you know, would work into a tailgate party. But, yeah, I don't think it's that much of a stretch. Sure, a dessert would be fine. I think anything goes. Ray Lampy joining us here I, on the show. carrot cake would be a good idea. Oh, carrot cake. Look at this guy. He'll be here all week, ladies and gentlemen. Be sure to tip your waitress. Um, did we're, I, You know, it, it runs together when we were, we were talking so much World Food Championships last week. Uh, were you the one that said, you know, inevitably – Carrot cake is going to taste really good at room temperature when, you know, the hotter food that you turn in, you know, if it's uh, tasted as it kind of comes off the grill or at least in a certain period of time frame, you know, the, the, the hotter stuff might be good. But, man, when you're eating something that's meant to be consumed at room temperature and is really good a little bit below and a little bit above room temperature, you know, you're kind of uh, against the odds there. Yeah, I don't think I actually addressed that specifically, but I talked about the chicken, remember, and the uh, and Leanne's lamb and that stuff. And, you know, as honest as you try to be as a judge, you try to take it all in, understand it. Uh, yeah, I mean, the thing that's meant to be served an hour later laying on the table, you know, is, is going to be good. There's no doubt about that. But we're going to be judging just the written recipes on this one. So, um, you know, make, some, make something that sounds good to me. I do write recipes for a living, though, so you're not going to – you're not going to bullshit me with, with a bunch of flair. Make sure it's going to taste good. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, taste counts and no BS for the doctor. All right, so we have uh, Thanksgiving coming up in uh, just over a week's time. Tomorrow will be a week before Thanksgiving Thursday. And uh, we had a, a good number of questions kind of roll in over the course of the week. So I figured we'd just kind of jump in and, and see where we're at. I guess maybe before we get started tonight, Ray, do you have like – a favorite Thanksgiving Day memory or a certain Thanksgiving Day routine or tradition that you really like to hold true to? Yeah, well, not so much anymore, but the one I'm going to tell you about is the way my grandma made a turkey. It was very different than, than any other turkey I've ever had. She would cook the turkey ahead and then stuff it with a combination of onions, apples, celery, all the regular stuffing ingredients, but she would add some tomato juice to it, which was really weird. And then she would put it in the stuffing. And then when the turkey was done, she would take it and carve it because inevitably I'm sure it was dry and overcooked. And she would, she got tired of that. So she took it and carved it, put it back in the roaster, took this stuffing and added more tomato juice to it. 
and made it like kind of a loose stuffing and put it over the top of the turkey and put it back in. And it's it's strange. It's not like anything else you've ever had. The stuffing is very loose when you get done with it. I always add some uh, squares back to it and tighten it up a little bit. But it has this weird tomato flavor to it. But it, it's delicious. I mean, it, you know, I grew up on it, so it's not something that I I could eat it every day. But other people may not like it as much. But man, it was very different. But so unique and so good. A great memory for me. Yeah, tomato soup and. Uh... And stuffing is something I guess I, I've never really heard, but, um, you know, turkey tends to be so, I, I hate to go against everybody's wishes here, but, I mean, it really kind of is a, a blandish meat. You know, it's it's probably not the star of the, oh, my taste buds are so shocked at the Thanksgiving Day table. Uh, so perhaps, you know, the tomato side of things really sparks it up a little bit, and obviously it sticks in your mind. Yeah, well, I'm sure that's what she was thinking, and probably that's what she had laying around. I mean, we're talking a long time ago. Um, and, but again, she had the dry turkey, and she wanted to make it taste better and make it stay juicy, and probably had a can of tomato juice there, and somehow it got in the pot. Um, but I don't know. It worked for me. Certainly a great, you know, I, I won't be cooking that this Thanksgiving, but I'm probably going to make one soon now that I'm talking about it. Ray Lampy joining us here on the show for the Ask Dr. Barbecue segment. You can ask a question, of course, by going to Drbbq. Com. So first one up here is from Tim in Columbus, which you were at uh, just a couple weeks ago. It says, hi, Ray. Inevitably, I don't let my frozen turkey thaw enough in advance, and I contend with cooking time issues on Thursday. Is there a rule of thumb to thaw a bird? Um, well, yeah, I mean, it's really important to me. You've got to get your turkey thawed. I, I Yeah, for me, they say, I think, three to four days. We're talking about an 18-pound turkey now, 18 to 20-pound turkey. If you're cooking a smaller turkey than that, you're not, that doesn't count. It's like cooking half a brisket. you got to cook a real man's turkey. Um, <laughs> I would take it out Saturday morning. I mean, five, six days in the refrigerator. You want to thaw it in the refrigerator for sure. You don't want to thaw it on the counter. Take it out five, six days early. It's not going to hurt anything. It's going to be three, four days before it's defrosted. I want that thing to be defrosted. I don't like soaking it in water. You can do that. That morning, if it's still frozen, you got to be able to get all this stuff out. But you can soak it in water if you want, but I prefer to not do that. So I'll take mine out probably Saturday morning. For the people that find themselves in that jam that we've just kind of talked about, and you've talked about saying it's okay to not your particular passion but it's okay to do the uh, water soak is there a particular method to the water soak in order to, to make sure that a you're defrosting but you're also staying safe well just cook it right after you get done um you know <laughs> cold water is it will get it eventually run running water put it in the sink uh running water and just dig in there with your hands as best you can till you get it all unlodged and get it out of there and then run the water on it again till you know, feel in there on the backbone. If you don't want, if there's pockets of ice in there, get them out of there. Grab them out or, or keep running the water on it. But as long as you're going to put it right in the oven, you know, process it and get it in the oven pretty quick, I wouldn't worry about it too much. Just make, don't do that and then put it back in the fridge. Once you get it defrosted, it's time to cook it. One thing that I think I'm going to mention right here, food safety-wise, is I'll always do this. Clean the sink out really good with soap and water before you go messing with the turkey in there. And then again, when you get done, you know, you can't leave all that raw turkey jive hanging on the sink. And, and when you get done, you got to clean that up right away. Ray Lampy joining us here on the show for the Ask Dr. Barbecue segment. Hopefully, uh, Tim, that answers your question. Uh, next one coming in from Tina in your hometown of Chicago, Illinois. 
Uh, brining versus injecting, which should I do? Oh, I, I'm not a fan of brining turkey. Uh, I, I just, I've eaten too many that taste like lunch meat to me. They're over brined and, and you know, a turkey, if you, I mean, of course, in fairness, I always buy butterball turkeys, which are essentially pre-brined. <laughs> so I guess I, you know, I, I guess that could be part of the problem. I think people buy a pre-brined turkey. Um, Injecting, I like to inject, but it doesn't really do the same thing as brining. Injecting will give a lot of flavor and put some juice in there, but you can still dry it out pretty easily. A brine turkey is kind of hard to dry out, but I, I just, for me, I don't love it. It's not my favorite thing to do. I, if, if you learn how to cook a turkey properly and just use your thermometer, and when it's done, take it off and don't overcook it, it'll be fine. Um, so I don't think you need to do either one of them. If you really want to brine, uh, be prepared to have your turkey be a little salty, and it might get that lunch meaty kind of thing if you do too much. And if you want to inject, I think that really works for flavor. But I think as far as not having a dry turkey, just learn how to cook it properly. Do not overcook it. All right, Tina, there's your answer to your question. Uh, next question coming from Brad in the dirty south of Atlanta. says, Dr. Barbecue, do you prefer to cook your birds as is, or will you cut the backbone out and lay them flat? I don't think I've ever done that to a turkey. Um, I guess it would work. I don't know. I mean, I, I love turkey. I really do. Turkey is one of my favorite things to eat. So, but I'm kind of, I like it to look like a turkey. So I, I, while I do that with chickens, I, I don't think I've ever done it to a turkey. Um, and I don't know. I think people want to see the turkey looking like a turkey on Thanksgiving too. You want to do that on an off week, you know, something different. But boy, on Thanksgiving, I say cook it so it looks like a turkey. Outside of Thanksgiving, Ray, do you eat a lot of turkey? Otherwise, do you make a lot of turkey? Yeah, I do. I don't, I don't cook it that much at home. Sandy doesn't really love turkey, but I, when I go to a barbecue restaurant, there's a good chance I'll order the turkey. Um, and if they have, uh, if I'm at Cracker Barrel or something, and they have turkey, I, there's a good chance I'll order it. I really like it a lot. Yeah, I don't I don't cook it much. It's just kind of a hassle, but um, but yeah, I love turkey. All right, next question is from Chad, uh, far west from me in Toledo, Ohio. He says, Dr. Barbecue, would it be a bad Thanksgiving day, f- or I'm sorry, would it be in bad Thanksgiving day form to cook the breast only versus a whole turkey? Obviously, you've seen in the stores uh, where you take out the legs and you take out the wings and you, you just have the breast. Um, is that bad form when it comes to Thanksgiving? Well, I like breasts as much as the next guy. But if I'm coming over, it's bad form because I really like dark meat when you're carving the turkey. So I, I think so. Um, but, you know, if you've got a small family and everybody just likes the white meat, what the heck? Uh, you know, you can do that. The only thing I'll say to them, every time I've bought one of those bone-in breasts thinking I'm doing, you know, what I assume he's trying to do, gosh, there's no meat on the darn thing. I, you know, it seems like I can't feed very many people with it. The, the only thing that I would add to that is, uh, Chad, Get a whole turkey because, you know, what's one of the best things ever about Thanksgiving? It's the leftovers. So, you know, if you're trying to only give, you know, white meat, maybe your family's an only. I mean, you can make so many other things with the leftovers of turkey. Uh, Get a whole one and and kind of reap the rewards of the cook, right? Yeah, I like to make soup, too. That's probably my favorite thing is the soup afterwards. So even if you don't like eating the dark meat at the Thanksgiving table— the, the legs and the bones and the thighs and all that stuff, great stuff for soup. 
Ray Lampy joining us here on the show, doing his weekly Ask Dr. Barbecue segment. AskDRBBQ.com is where you can go to ask us a question that we can answer every Wednesday, or you can go to his, uh, his personal website, DRBBQ.com, find out about Ray and what he's up to. Uh, next question, Ray, is from Sally in Tucson, Arizona. It says, Dear Dr. Barbecue, my husband makes store-bought stuffing on Thanksgiving. Okay, so obviously Sally get, needs to get a new husband. Nevertheless, uh, do you have a fairly easy recipe or perhaps something that is outside of the box of your traditional Thanksgiving uh, recipes that won't make me have to eat stovetop this year? Uh, yeah, I mean, come on, dude. It's Thanksgiving. The you worst. can put a little effort into it. Right. Making stuffing is really not that hard. You buy the packaged stuff, to just package either the loose stuff or the cubes. I actually use a combination of the two is what I like to do. And, you know, you put a little celery, a little onion, some kind of meat, uh, you know, just breakfast sausage works fine. But you know what I'll do sometimes is add some pulled pork. If you got some leftover pulled pork, add that into your stuffing. And just enough broth to get it wet and you got stuffing. It's kind of nothing to it. Uh, I think the broth is key. I, I, I start my Thanksgiving meal by making a big pot of stock, you know, buy some extra wings and and. Uh, necks and stuff or legs or whatever's in the store and make a big pot of jus and then when you go to make your stuffing you got this this great turkey stock to make it with so that's a bit of a hassle but this time of the year you, you see turkey stock in the store too you can actually buy it so don't, you don't have to use chicken stock um I, I mean you know gosh look around it's as simple as it could be to make stuffing i don't have a recipe offhand but i don't do anything too weird either you know i buy some of the packaged stuff some broth some onion celery uh, maybe my grandma always used poultry seasoning, which is a combination of all the stuff you would want in your turkey gravy. So I'll usually have that around the house for Thanksgiving. And funny how those old habits are hard to break, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, this one coming from Shane McClure via my Facebook page. It says, uh, Dr. Barbecue, I use a mix of Alderwood and Jack Daniels wood chips to smoke my turkey. Are there other or better choices of smoke wood that would work well with turkey? Well, I don't like a heavy smoke on my turkey, so I would be using apple or cherry and nothing stronger than that. For me, I will actually cook mine with just lump charcoal. Uh, that's enough wood flavor for me. I don't like a heavy smoke turkey. Uh, it, the Jack Daniels chips, those are oak. That's a pretty strong wood for a turkey, if you ask me. Um, and alder, yeah, alder's kind of mild. I, I mean, if you like it, if everybody likes what you're doing, keep doing it. Um, but I'm always a fan of less smoke, and especially on a turkey. So if, I was, if I'm going to add any wood, it's going to be cherry, but I doubt that I will. All right, so I'm going to share a story with you. When I first got into barbecue, I got my Weber Smoky Mountain. I had no idea how to freaking use it. Uh, eventually found virtualweberbullet.com and, and got some pointers, and then I did a turkey on there. And the only wood I had at that point, because I was literally three weeks old into the whole barbecue game, I went to Home Depot and I got like a pack of mesquite wood chunks and i used <laughs> mesquite wood you know like one chunk but that one chunk really put a layer of smoke on that thing because obviously mesquite is pretty pungent but you know overall you know, like it wasn't the worst so i think the key is like you know just don't go over the top with smoke right yeah right i mean i ne but i'm like that with everything we've all done that you know i i put so much hickory on some pork one time when i was new i had a little offset i mean this stuff was like metallic tasting i couldn't figure out what was going on i had used so much hickory wood it was just over the top 
Um, I, I'm not a fan of mesquite. That's no secret. Uh, you know what it says in my first book about mesquite, Greg? No. It smells like the devil's ass crack. <laughs> wow. So, but, however, if you're going to use just a little bit of it, you might be okay. Um, I'm never a fan of too much smoke. And, you know, guys get caught up in it. You know, if a little bit of smoke is good, a lot must be better. But I'll tell you, guys, if, if your whole family is telling you your food's too smoky, it is. Just use less. Whatever you're going to use, use less of it. All right. Uh, next question up is Mark in San Diego. It says, Ray, do you have any suggestions for dessert other than pumpkin pie? I'm not a fan, but I want to make sure my guests are satisfied as well. Thanks. Love the new segment. Oh, thank you, uh, Mark. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about this one because you sent them to me before, and uh, I was thinking about this one. By the way, thanks to everybody for sending the question. This is really going well. We're getting yeah. great questions every week. I appreciate it. It makes us it makes it kind of easy. Yeah. Um. The one, the first thought that I had was, you know, gosh, pumpkin pie, you just got to have that on Thanksgiving. Cause, but it's easy because at Thanksgiving, it's, you can easily have two desserts, three desserts. Nobody's going to look at you wrong for that. So I would always make a pumpkin pie of some sort. Um, even if you just buy the frozen one and bake it, that's pretty good. And then make something different. You know, that's what I would do. But, but you know, then I was thinking about when we're seeing these days pumpkin everything. And, you know, a pumpkin cheesecake is going to satisfy the, the guy who wants pumpkin pie and also something a little different and more interesting. Um, last night we had dinner. I'm in Oklahoma. We had dinner at Mickey Mantle's Steakhouse. Uh, he wasn't there, though. <laughs> but, uh, no? He wasn't at the bar? <laughs> no, no, he wasn't there. I was surprised. I asked the waitress who, you know, we asked her, well, why would there be a Mickey Mantle Steakhouse in the middle of Oklahoma? And then she started, she said, well, he was a baseball player. And I was like, yeah, no, oh, I know gosh. who he is. Who? I didn't know he was from Oklahoma. <laughs> Apparently he was. But anyway, they had a chocolate pumpkin bread pudding wow. on the menu. Now, I didn't have it, but cool idea. You know, you could just use some mashed up pumpkin uh, in a bread pudding, and, and I think that would be good. So, you know, you could kind of skirt around the pumpkin pie by making some kind of interesting pumpkin thing um, if you really don't want to. If it was me, I would probably make a pumpkin pie, and then I would make a something else, a custard pie or a bread pudding or whatever else you felt like making. Because if you make the pumpkin pie, then you're free to make whatever you want for the second dessert. I've just never been a fan of pumpkin pie. I've tried it and tried it, and, you know, the one thing that I have learned is uh, right around the time I turned 30, uh, my palate and my mouth changed completely. Uh, I'd never been able to really tolerate wine illegally or legally. And then once 30 hit, all of a sudden, like, wine was good and all these different foods and spices that I never really cared for started to be uh, very agreeable with me. And, but pumpkin pie is just not one of those things. I mean, there's going to be some things that you just, I guess, never attune to, but... For me, as much as I want to eat pumpkin pie, same thing with salmon. As much as I want to eat salmon, two things that I just can't get down with. I mean, yeah, for me, it's I, I, I guess I eat it once a year. I, you know, I, maybe I would eat it at Christmas if somebody made a turkey and had one there. It's not something I crave or think about. I think it's just that same tradition thing, you know. As you get older, it's been a whole lot of years of eating pumpkin pie once a year and <laughs> just seems right. All right, uh, last question before I let you go, Ray, and I think this one kind of pops up every year. You probably answer it a billion times. If you're going to be cooking a whole turkey and you're not going to be breaking it down or spatchcocking it or anything like that, uh, there's a faction of people that say uh, for the amount of stuffing that you make, make a little bit more 
and shove it in the cavity of the turkey. And then there's other people that say, holy shit, never do that because you're just asking to be in the uh, emergency room with some type of malaria or E. coli or whatever you want to call it. Uh, do you stuff turkey? And if you're going to, regardless if you do or not, uh, safety tips to make sure that you don't end up in the hospital. I don't stuff turkey uh, because I, I want the turkey to cook evenly. I am like a Nazi about getting my turkey done just right. I put take it out of the fridge for an hour with a big ice pack on the breast and let the dark meat kind of warm up, and I want the white meat as cold as possible to go on so that hopefully the white meat and dark meat get done about the same time. I'm just crazy with my thermopen trying to get it just right. And, and you know, if you do that, you can make a good turkey. The stuffing inside is going to screw me all up. So that's why I don't do it. I'm not afraid of it. Uh, the thing you can't do is take a big turkey and put warm stuffing on the inside of it. So if you're going to stuff a turkey, the stuffing has got to be room temperature when it goes in the turkey. You can't take hot stuffing, put it in that turkey. Um, and you also can't let any of it sit around, you know, just move quickly, get the get the stuffing made first thing in the morning, get it, let, give it an hour to cool down while you get the turkey ready, get the grill ready, if you really want to. But I don't know that I see any great advantage to doing it. I, I'd much rather cook it on the side because that way I'm going to get my turkey done right. And I, it just doesn't have a whole lot of effect cooking it in there except screwing up the turkey. Yeah, we don't want to screw turkey up because, as we know, the biggest thing that everybody can agree on is there is a ton of apprehension for the people that are going to be cooking turkeys in about a week's time from now. And perhaps, Ray, isn't it a little mythical for these people to have so much nervousness about this? Uh, they should just relax and, and do it right, and it'll be fine. Oh, I think so. I think it's just the sheer size of it. But, you know, for barbecue guys, we cook big cuts of meat, so you shouldn't be bothered by an 18- or 20-pound turkey. Yeah, it's very much uh, – people are just intimidated by it, and I just don't find it to be that big of a deal. I, I You know, I, it's just a big chicken. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I think people are real scared. Plus, it's usually you're cooking for your family and your in-laws and a bunch of, you know, people that you really – you don't want to look bad in front of, so the pressure is really on. <laughs> Um, but make some good gravy just in case. And, and you know, the, the, the barbecue guys that we know on the Internet, they're like technicians. You know, some of them are really creative and good cooks. Others are not. But with the tools they have and, and the information around, they can cook a pork butt well, a brisket well. Same thing with a turkey. Just do what you know is right. You know, you want the deep down in the white meat to be 160. Uh, the dark meat needs to be about 175. You know the rules, you know, get it done. When it reaches those temps, you know it is safe. Take it off and let it rest for a while and carve it and eat it. it. It's, yeah, I think people overthink it. They're scared of it, and there's just no reason to be. Ray Lampy joining us here for the weekly Ask Dr. Barbecue segment. You can find a little bit more about Ray at drbbq.com. And if you want to submit a question here to the show for the Wednesday edition, it's askdrbbq.com. Uh, Ray is in Oklahoma City tonight. Uh, the website, again, for the people that want to get on that contest. Yeah, cookoffbeforekickoff.com. All spelled out, cookoffbeforekickoff. And you go there, and you'll have to enter a recipe, and somebody's going to win a trip to Pasadena for the BCS championship game wow. with tickets. Great prize. Uh, so get after it. I mean, they're looking for entrance, which means your odds are really good at potentially getting picked at the current time. Uh, Ray, always appreciate the time, and we'll talk to you again soon. Okay, great, great. Talk to you soon. All righty. There is Ray Lampy. Ask Dr. Barbecue. AskDRBBQ.com.
if you are so inclined. Who doesn't want to win a freaking trip to the BCS Bowl game? I mean, I don't if it's not the uh, Buckeyes. One Buckeye football uh, born and bred, but, uh, man, you got a good recipe. I mean, who wouldn't want to go over to the, the national championship game? Crying out loud. I know I would. All right. That was Ray Lampy, Dr. Barbecue. Uh, my next guest appears on the show fairly regularly. He has his own video podcast, which airs new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Multiple-time author, a new, uh, not new now, but a weekly radio show that airs each Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. Pacific on the blowtorch of 760 KFMB called Eat This. Let's race over to the hotline and welcome back friend of the show, Sam Zion joining me. Sam, how are you, buddy? I'm good. My friend Greg, how are you? I'm doing absolutely fabulous, Sam. Always appreciate you making time for the show. And... Man, it has been a while. Happy What's good? What is good? Uh, everything's good. What's good with you? Man, nothing is good right now. Uh, it is a time. It it's a time of. It's a time of uh, uh, limbo. What are, what are the what are the religious people call it when you're trapped between uh, heaven and hell? Purgatory. It's per- come on Man. now. It can't be that. Well, Purgatory is not necessarily a good place, Greg. Well, okay. unless you mean that because you're in Cleveland, you're no. you're keeping women prisoner in your basement. No. That could be the no. entire purgatory phase. You're not doing that. Already. I'm not doing that yet. But we'll see how the rest of the week goes. Yes. I mean, I can't. You know, yes. I don't want to commit to anything here. Uh, look, here's I the deal. Uh, we moved out of the regular Barbecue Central Radio Network studios now two weeks ago. Um, we had rented our house out now. Uh, we're also building a new Barbecue Central Radio Network studios. However, oh, look at you. the timing didn't match up so right. And, uh, you know, the builder and, blah, blah, blah. and then the renters wanted in and we don't want to lose the renters. Uh, you know, Where do we end up, Sam? Where did we end up? Mother-in-law's house. Hello. So me, the wife, the three girls are in with the in-laws. And we're waiting for the new wow. studio to be built. And, oh, my Lord, it's just kind of not how I thought it was going to all play out. Uh, you know what? I fully understand that. But there's never a good time to do anything. No. Am I right? <laughs> if if nothing else is being proven out during this process, those words are the ones that ring most true. If I said to you, when would be a great time to change your location and go to some place for uh, – uh, Short period of time. What are you going to say? Yeah. There isn't. A, is there ever a good time to have a child? No, there's no. not. No, you never have enough money. Is there money. ever a good it's time to right get there. married? No, there's not. It happens when it happens. Right. We're all here to go through it with you. All right. Well, let's get through it. Uh, Sam joining us here on the show. Uh, a couple websites if you want to check Sam out while we're talking. Uh, he's got the the cooking show website, which is thecookingguy.com, and then the samlivecast.com, which is uh, the weekly video podcast. And then Sundays, if you're sitting around eating an early lunch and you want to listen to a guy talk about food in a completely different realm, 760kfmb.com, and you can listen to Eat This as well. Uh, so lots of different ways to consume Sam and his shows and his takes and his views on the world of cooking and so forth. So, look, we're just shy a week away uh, almost from thanksgiving and the hand ringers are out in full force worrying about the cook and if they're going to screw it up again this year 
you know, all well-documented stuff. So first question, last year yeah. you were a guest at the Big Bird Day. Does it change up for you this year? Are you going to yes. be cooking the bird? Uh, it, it completely changes it. I mean, uh, this is the first year that I will have cooked in maybe six or seven. Really? And I think like, like many people, regardless of how old you are, how many Thanksgivings you've done, you only do this once a year, and there's a lot of pressure. There shouldn't be, but there's a ridiculous amount of pressure that comes down on people for this one simple single meal. Is it is the and pressure that, is is the pressure coming from the fact that you don't want to screw the bird up, or yes, or subconscious subconsciously, uh, or when you talk about it in drunk circles amongst friends, is is the pressure coming from the fact that you don't want to fuck up in front of your family because you're afraid they're going to talk shit about you behind your back for the next 364 days? Uh, yes. You know what? It's all, it's D all of the above. (laughs) It's, it's something that you cook once. I mean, how many people cook turkeys outside of Thanksgiving? Maybe one on Christmas, maybe one on Christmas. That's about it. Maybe one on Christmas. So maybe you're doing it twice in like a month and a half period of time or a month's period of time. Right. But you're not doing it very often and you forget. So there's the pressure of the turkey that you don't normally do. There's the pressure of having family members that maybe aren't normally there, that maybe you're not as comfortable with as your next-door neighbors or your best friends. There's just a lot of pressure. And it's ridiculous because think about it. A, everybody should know everyone. So the fact that you're invited to somebody's house shouldn't put pressure on the host. It should mean everybody's comfortable. And whatever comes out of the kitchen, you should be good with. And two, and maybe this is the more important part, Turkey is just a big-ass chicken. That's all it is. If you've ever cooked a chicken, you can cook a turkey. There's no, no difference, really, other than the size, which translates to the time. That's it. Number of different... We all have this... We, the problem is we all have this stupid Norman Rockwell picture in our <laughs> minds of the perfect golden glazed turkey that comes to the table and is set down and everybody's all excited about it and it's you carve and i mean it's just no meals are like this you don't bring like a roast beef to the table and carve it in fact nobody's carving a turkey at the table you do that in the kitchen and then you bring the shit out i mean come on it's just imagined pressure that should not be there right it's uh it's yeah i absolutely agree with that so, look, there's a number of different ways to cook the turkey. You can smoke it. You can grill it. You can yep. spatchcock it. Yep. You can fry it. You can yep. roast it in the oven. Uh, your favorite way or, or the way that you're going to be doing it this year? I'm roasting a turkey in the oven. Mm. I, don't, I don't think I, – I've done everything. I've smoked a turkey, which I think is delicious. Yep. I've uh, grilled a turkey, or really like half a turkey. Yeah. It's delicious. I've um, – Deep fried a turkey, which is delicious. And I always say this the best deep fried turkey you'll ever have is at somebody else's house. You're right. <laughs> because it's a huge pain in the ass. And it's a huge mess. And even if you don't think it's a pain in the ass, and even if you don't think it's a big mess, at the end of it, 
when everybody's full and sitting and they're undoing the top button of their pants and they're relaxing and they're sit- chilling on the couch, there's still five gallons of dirty oil outside in a deep fryer that has to be dealt with and all the splatter that comes out of it. So this year I'm roasting a turkey in my oven because A, I think it's the best. Yeah, me too. And B, I don't think you can beat the smell that comes mm. out of a roasting turkey yeah. inside your house. No. It's uh, one of the most beautiful aromas to perfume a house known to man. Exactly. Now, right. look, you broached exactly. the subject of fried turkey. I have never yeah. done one. And look, you know, obviously I'm a tough looking guy, right? I mean, we can all agree sure. on that. But frying a turkey. The thought of it really freaks me out, so I just haven't really done Why? it. You know, well, here's the deal. I'm a little, I'm a little bit of, I'm a little bit, you know, iconoclastic. I like the oven roasted bird, like you do. So, right. you know, I don't really think about doing it. Then I hear about it now. You know, right about this time, everybody's frying freaking turkeys. So, you know, you can ask me a question here if you want, but you know, I'm going to ask you, you know, the how tos about uh, yeah. frying turkey and then, like, best ways to not burn your house down or fry your face off. Uh, well, right. So, look, <laughs> I think if you've never deep-fried a turkey, you should do it. And even if you got a small one, Greg, and you did, you did that in addition to your inside turkey, it's definitely a fun thing to do. It's a very it's – a, it's a completely different kind of experience. Yeah. The problem is – You've got five or six gallons of superheated oil, right? You've got a giant flame underneath it. Yeah. And you also have alcohol. Because it's the whole day. Think about it. You go 15 minutes a pound in the oven, right? That's what she said. You go, you go, exactly. Thank you. You go three to four minutes a pound when you deep fry it. So it doesn't take very long. So because it doesn't take very long, like a 10-pound turkey is a half an hour. Yeah. It's not a lot of time. And that means that's closer to the time you're going to eat. That means it's closer to the time that people have been drinking up till. So the problem comes when you've got a lot of hot oil, you've got a giant flame, you've got potentially drunk people who are deep frying a turkey for their first time. And they don't know to do it away from the house. They don't know to do it away from the grass and things that they've got. I see your, look your at picture. This. Look at that. That's that could happen. You want that in your house? The biggest, the biggest. Well, a you can't do it inside. But the biggest mistake people make is they don't know to pre-measure where the oil is going to go to. Right. Look at this. I'm showing so, it right here. Watch them slowly. Look at that. They did a terrible job right there, and it's just gushing right over. It's hitting the flame, and now party time. That's the classic mistake that people make. People do this. They put oil in the the giant pot, right? And they leave like this much headroom, which might seem like a normal thing to do. But when you lower the turkey in, it displaces the oil up and over the sides onto the giant flame underneath. So if you're going to deep fry turkey, here's my advice. You take the turkey that you've got, you put it in the pot. While the turkey's frozen or cold, whatever. You put water in, and you give yourself about six, seven inches of headroom from the top of the pot. You take the turkey out, 
and where the water line is, mark it with a Sharpie, right? Yeah. Now you pour out the water. When you go to cook on the turkey day, the mark that you've made with the Sharpie is where the oil goes. You heat the oil up 350 degrees. When you put the turkey in, it will displace the oil and it'll bring it up, but it will keep it this far away from the top. Right. You can't just put oil in this far and then put it. You, you see where I'm going with this, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, you're just asking for a headache. You're asking for trouble when there's alcohol involved <laughs> and a novice deep fryer involved, you're going to end up with trouble. Lest we forget. If you don't have this setup, uh, there's a little bit of a financial aspect to this whole deal to take into account, right? I mean, think about it. You know what? You're eight, number one, you're buying the turkey setup. The, could, the deep fryer, yep. which is, I mean, the pot that's yeah. this big. 60 bucks. And then you're buying the burner underneath. 60 to 80 bucks. Yeah. Then you're buying five or six gallons of peanut oil, and that's the oil that you should use. And that's going to cost you another twenty-five bucks. You're almost a hundred bucks deep before you even put the turkey in, as opposed to your oven where you're no dollars deep and then the turkey goes in. Plus, you get the benefit of the smell and the house and the beautiful look and blah blah blah. blah. Gravy. It just goes on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Sam Zion joining. How do you make gravy? How do you make gravy out of a deep-fried turkey? Not very well. Not very well. You don't. Right? <laughs> you don't. Sam Zion joining me here on the show, uh, thecookingguy.com, thesamlivecast.com, uh, 760kfmb.com. Um, so, you know, fi- wrapping up uh, the cooking of, of Thanksgiving, you know, don't freak yeah. out about the turkey, yeah. uh, you know, roasting. Be careful if you're going to be deep frying. Uh, you know, what yeah. other dishes are you going to be having at your house? Uh, well, right now, and I can smell them right now, oh, tonight we're making uh, what I call crispy Brussels sprouts. My oven's on to 425. I've taken Brussels sprouts. I've taken off the little dirty end. I've cut them in half. I've taken off the out, a couple of the outer leaves, tossed them in olive oil, kosher salt, pepper, garlic, and a little mm. uh, red pepper flake. And they go into the oven for about 30, 35 minutes. And they cook, they soften, but they also get a little crispy and brown. Those will be delicious. Of course, we'll be making mashed potatoes. Um, right now, they'll just be probably buttermilk mashed potatoes. Yeah. Because that's my sort of my flavor of the moment. I'm, I love the little tanging thing that the buttermilk brings to it. Lots of chopped up uh, green onion or chive. Mixed in with it, super delicious. Stuffing, of course. But because Thanksgiving this year meets the first night of Hanukkah, I will be doing Jewish things for our family. I'll be making uh, my potato latkes uh-huh. that have sour cream, a little uh, lox chopped on top, and a little caviar on each one. And I'll be making a brisket. There's an oven roasted brisket on my website that's ridiculous. It's simple, it's rich, it's amazing. And a brisket is, I know a lot of your fans are going to do their briskets outside. Yeah. On the smoker, that kind of thing, or on the grill. Every so often, I'd say 
go for an indoor brisket. The moisture that comes from it is fantastic. Traditionally, and though, I mean, Jewish the Jewish uh, cooking faith is doing it, the, is the braising of the brisket in the oven with the vegetables and the, and the stock and all that. Right. right? There's, there's moisture, exactly. Right? And it makes an amazing brisket. But the, the best thing that it really does is it gives you brisket the next day for brisket and eggs, right, chopped up like in a scrambled egg thing, yep. a brisket benedict. Oof. Imagine replacing the Oof. ham yeah. with brisket and then, and then beef gravy over the top, which is spectacular. Or maybe even better, a brisket grilled cheese. Oh, Use, use a good bread. Use a good sourdough, a good wheat, a seedy wheat, a good ciabatta roll, that kind of thing. Two different types of cheese, Ooh. you know, like a Munster and a and a Havarti, whatever you like. But brisket in the middle, do that thing. Maybe a thin little layer of mustard, like you know, spicy mustard would be amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then just cook that like a regular grilled cheese. That is crazy shit. Okay, well, that does it. I'm going to be on my way over. There you go. See you in a week. Dude, dude, I got a room room upstairs with no children in it. Leave all the girls at home. Come here. Hang out. You can do the show from here. Yeah. We'll eat well. We'll drink well. It'll be a good time. You're going to gain a new son. Me. It's 39. (laughs) I'll I'll take it. I'll take it. All right, so... uh, uh, I'm wondering this. Uh, are you a wine guy to any degree? To, to a small degree. Will there be any, like, Manischewitz being broken out on uh, Thanksgiving no, no. Day? Is that like a big Hanukkah thing, or is that just a stereotype thing? No, no. It's a, uh, it's a um, Yom Kippur Rosh Hashanah thing. Oh. Uh, a Hanukkah, the Manischewitz doesn't come up. We saved that. And there's a lot of jokes about Manischewitz wine being super sweet and all the things that they say about it. I like it on the appropriate holidays. It, it Really, it's my wine of choice. I completely dig it. Uh, no. Um, Thanksgiving will be cocktails and champagne. Mm. I think a big holiday needs champagne. Yeah. I think it's fun to start, a, you know, like an entertaining night, like, Christmas, Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, that kind of stuff. I think it's fun to have champagne. So we do that. All right, so let's get into the real crux of the situation here tonight. Yeah. For years and years and years, it's been Thanksgiving, and then you try and walk that fine, crazy line between getting too S-faced during Thanksgiving, passing out, only to wake up around 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the morning to start the mad holiday Christmas rush of uh, Black Friday. Yes. And for years and years, they have remained independent, except this year, the yes. commercialization bastard of the holiday season has now broached another major holiday, that being Thanksgiving, where retail major yes. retail outlets will be open for business like 5.30, 6 o'clock. On Thanksgiving Day, I have it's a very mental. I have a very big issue with this on many reasons. Uh, one that it's impeding on another holiday, uh, so Christmas is like the bully. But secondly, it's kind of like forcing people to work. I mean, some people maybe they want to work, maybe they have nothing going on. But typically, this is a day where everybody's off. 
It's an American holiday. This is our deal. It's been free of commercialization. You don't see a lot. I mean, when was the last time you saw a Thanksgiving commercial? I mean, rarely. I'm with you. Yeah. But now. I think if. Sorry, go ahead. No, but now it's all. They're running together. It's Thanksgiving Christmas Day. Yeah, it's crazy. I think I would do this. I, if I was a retail store owner, I would say this to my staff. Who wants to work that day? And if nobody said me, I would say we're not going to be open. I don't like the idea of making people work on a day that they want to spend with their family and friends. I don't. And I go back. Look, uh, I'm Jewish in New York and arguably all of North, uh, all of the United States. The most important electronic store in the country is a place called B&H in New York. Yeah. They're, they're huge. But they're also owned by Orthodox Jews, which, the, which to them says they do as much business as they can during the week. They close on the Sabbath. Yeah. So they are not open on Friday. I'm sorry, on Saturdays. They don't even take... Internet orders, I mean, you can place the order, but nothing will happen with it from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. There's just this little window of you're in limbo there. Mm -hmm. And that's how they choose to do their business, because on the seventh day or our Sabbath, you know, nothing happens. And so I applaud them for doing what they want to do. And I, I would like to think if I had a retail, retail store, I would do the same thing. I would hold my convictions important. I would say, who wants to work? If enough employees said, yes, we want to work and make the money on that particular, on that you know Thanksgiving morning, then God bless them and they can do it. But I know I'm with you, man. I, I, I don't like it. I think it should be a day when nobody works. I think it should be kept two different friggin' holidays, too. I mean, why does Christmas have to bully in? It's so weird. It is weird. God, I hate that. But but do you notice how early, like, um, Halloween stuff shows up in the stores? It's not October 1st. No. It's more like September 1st. Yeah, but even when the Halloween stuff was out, the Christmas stuff was already trickling out. God, I'm getting old because I'm getting bitchy and curmudgeon about stupid shit like this. Yeah, no, it, I feel it like I have to is. stick up for you know Thanksgiving. <laughs> Thanksgiving. I mean, if you go back to the founding Thanksgiving people, right? Right. Would they have wanted us to uh, have worked on that day? Oh, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think they would would have wanted us to have been giving thanks for everything that we had. And giving thanks doesn't include working. There are not many days that this country has off. Right. And I think that should be one of them. I'm completely there with you, my, yeah. friend, my friend. We agree. Uh, before I let you go, Sam, anything you want to promote, yeah. uh, plug, get in, stuff like that? Uh, no, nothing. Uh, watch the live cast. And, you know, we do our live cooking thing. I mean, I say live. It's not Technically, it's not live. It's it's technically not edited, so filmed live. And it unedited. is what it is. Right. It's warts and all, as like I like to say. <laughs> and uh, go to cookieguy.com. There's lots of video and recipes and fun stuff there.
All right, Sam is the host of the Sam Livecast. There's new episodes at thesamlivecast.com. Also host of Eat This, which can be heard each Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. Pacific on 760kfmb.com. If you listen on the Internet and you're not local. Uh, Sam, always appreciate the conversation. Go ahead. Thank you, you, brother. And my last words, don't forget, turkeys take a lot of defrosting time. That was Better it. to get I, your turkey yes. early than on uh, Wednesday. What's the What's the rule? Then. A lot of people are going to get frozen turkey. What's the rule? One day for every five pounds of turkey. Wow! So you're looking, uh, you know, that. roughly, you know, four days. I'd say on yeah, the average. Four days. Yeah. Right. If you've got a big turkey, it's going to be a bunch of days. But don't forget, I also suggest you brine the turkey. That's a sugar, salt, water, apple juice, citrus solution. The 24 hours before you cook it, that will make it taste way better, make it juicier, just a much better turkey. You go to thecookingguy.com, all the information's there. But just know this, defrost your turkey for however many days it'll take, a day for every five pounds, then brine it for one day for 24 hours, then cook it. And whether you're going to deep fry it or grill it or roast it in the oven like Greg and I are. Yeah. A lot that right amount of time. Are you going to brine? Uh, no, because I'm going to get a bird that's already enhanced. What the? F- what? The, what? Yeah, man. They're all. Everybody's I, doing I it, man. The, everybody's said doing the F word, but the very first time <laughs> I was on with you, people complained. By the way, you've sw- yeah. you've said more bad words tonight than I have. I think I said one bad word. Hashtag just saying. Go back and listen to your show. Oh. Well, now I will. How about that? And I'll send you a nickel for what every swear word. You're going to get a pre-brined turkey? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, anything you buy at the grocery store is enhanced or injected no, with it's 20. Per- yeah, come on, bro. Go to the go well, to a go to a grocery store and look for the terms enhanced or injected with 20 or 10 percent salt solution. That's all, uh, you know, stop pre-brined. It. It's all pre-brined, bro. Check it out. You go go that. to your grocery store. My, I trust me. I don't trust what the supermarket does. Yeah, but if you get a if you get a, a pre and if you get an enhanced turkey, and then you defrost it, and then you put it in brine, and now your your meat is going to be mushy and it's going to be super salty like a bad deli cut meat. You don't want to do that. I'm not saying I'm not saying brine an enhanced turkey. I don't really know what. Enhanced mean means I don't want an enhanced woman. I want a natural woman. Yeah. Stop it now. Stop All right. it. All right. Just, you're, you're, you're talking nonsense. Go Look. lock up some women in your basement. That's what you need to do. Right All now. right, smartass. Maybe I will. You've pushed me over the edge tonight, Sam. Uh, you can find Sam, as I was saying, at 760kfmb.com. If you're not local for the radio show, eat this. Um, Sam, happy Thanksgiving. Of course, uh, happy beginning to Hanukkah as well next Thursday, and uh, we'll talk to you again Thank sooner you, than brother. later. All right, man. You there he is. See you, man. Sam Zion. Sam the cooking guy. All right. I'm late. I'm going to be getting a nasty gram from Kevin, I can guarantee it. All right. Uh, thecookingguy.com is his cooking website. The SamLiveCast.com is his video podcast, which airs new episodes Monday, Wednesday, Friday. 760kfmb.com 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. Pacific. Yeah, there you go. Also, Ray Lampy, Dr. Barbecue. You can submit a question to us. 
to answer on the Wednesday show. AskDRBBQ.com. Keep them rolling in. As Ray said, we thank you all for giving us those questions, and it's great. So we continue to do this segment, continue to do the Hump Day Barbecue Show. Uh, AskDRBBQ.com is the website to submit a question to this show, or you can find out more about Ray at DRBBQ.com. I will see you back next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Until then, September 11th, I will never forget. And this is your proud program host and U.S. American Greg Rempe. Good night now.